Episode 6, Toner Disaster, 12-17-2011. Now, with proper volume and more toner. Hey there, uh, this is Ryan Rampersad. Uh, yesterday, on Friday, 12-16, we had a little bit of trouble with our podcast that we normally do. We normally uh, would be doing it uh, on Friday night, but uh, we had some toner trouble. We had a printer explode, and uh, that wasn't too good. So uh, we decided to postpone, and uh, my co-host, Matthew Petchel, is not available on this fine Saturday evening. So I'm just uh, doing it here all alone. And uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty good. Uh, this week's been really busy. We, uh, we haven't been paying too much uh, attention to the tech news of the week. Because we've had finals. I turned in my final math project last week. This week I turned in my final paper for my English writing class. Uh, then I had uh, my uh, calculus final yesterday on Friday afternoon. That was a very difficult final, so I hope I did well. Um, uh, this week, yeah, it's, it's just been busy for both of us. I know that Matthew Petchel has had uh, a computer science final and uh, a web design final, so he's been busy as well. So my uh, slim pickings of tech news from the few moments I had each day to even read anything, I've just, I just simply just starred some things in my Google Reader and thought I could talk about them. And uh, the, we all begin with Amazon because that's at the beginning of the alphabet. Well, so, Amazon Kindle Fire. What do you know about that? Well, the Kindle Fire was released sometime in November, mid-November, uh, and uh, it's been selling pretty well. Uh, it's been very fancy uh, in terms of, t- uh, as far as uh, Android tablets go. Uh, it's managed to uh, be very popular, which is amazing. I don't know why anybody would buy one. Um, you know, it is $199, but uh, there's some problems with it. Despite the price point and how allegedly well it works, there are actual problems with it. Um, first first problem, um, if you have kids, uh, you uh, might be in for surprise if you get them on Kindle Fire, because one-click buying is not uh, Disabled on Kindles by default. In fact, it's enabled and it's not able to be disabled. So, you know, if you're just going around and you're looking for a movie or you're looking for a book and kid just hits buy, well, there's no password prompt. There's no intervention. Just just buys the book, buys the game, buys the movie, buys whatever. So that's, that's a problem. Um, other problems are some speed issues. It's, it doesn't feel fast. It, it doesn't... There's some jittery animation... Uh, some stuff like that. Uh, so, um, the Kindle Fire is going to be uh, receiving an update sometime before Christmas, hopefully, but I, I'm, I'm kind of doubting that. Um, it's, it's coming in a couple weeks at least, so maybe maybe by Christmas it will, it will have the update. But what it's going to address is the performance issue that I mentioned and some UI improvements. Um, under Kindle Fire... Uh, everything's in this kind of stack view. It's kind of similar to CoverFlow on iTunes or um, iPad for the music 
or I, you know, the iOS for music. But um, it, it's uh, essentially just a stack of all the things you've been interacting with recently. And this stack uh, will reveal all of your history. So all your web pages, all the books, all the movies, all the music that you've been using and interacting with, it's all in a chronological stack. And you can't, in the original, in the initial version of the Kindle OS, which again is a modified Android OS, you couldn't change those. So, uh, if you were doing naughty things with your Kindle, everybody would know. Or if you were trying to find that wonderful Christmas present, e.g. Amazon Kindle, uh, on your Amazon Kindle, you would kind of give it away because you couldn't remove that history. So, uh, one, that update will fix that at least. And, uh, that's good. That's good. That's pretty important. Uh... Uh, but, but there's some more Kindle news that I think is also pretty interesting. And this happened a little bit later in the week. This actually just, uh, just was revealed yesterday. Uh, but, uh, you know how the Amazon store, Android store, app store, uh, that exists solely so that Amazon can have apps on its Kindle. Fire. But, um, they block the Android market, the real Google based Android market. They block that completely. You know, you can't you can't download apps from Android market. But what's interesting is that Amazon blocks androidmarket.com, I believe. Or is it uh yeah, it's it's market.android.com. And they they block that completely. So if you were trying to browse that page, that website in your browser, you would be erected to the Android uh, version of the Amazon App Store market. Um, so it's not as even if they're just redirecting the, it, you in the app, you're being directed redirected completely. So that's uh, that's pretty uh, pretty bad of them, I think. Um, but on the, on the other hand, though, it does simplify some things. I mean. Um, a lot of apps will refer you to the Android market because most apps brought into the Amazon App Store are just ports. You know, it's just as simple as submitting your app again to another store. And a lot of apps don't uh, change their like uh, location strings. You know, like would you like to buy more apps from the same developer? Click here. You know that kind of thing. And most of the times, those uh, those app links are just pointing to the Android market. But Amazon wants people to stay in the Amazon App Store market, so uh, they just redirect you to that anyway. Maybe it is a bad, not a bad thing, but I don't, I don't like it. Um, yeah, but the next, the next, uh, next interesting thing in the news that I saw that I would like to see at least is that Apple may launch a new MacBook Pro with 2880 by 1800 resolution. Uh, so, that's amazing. That's really big resolution. Uh, it's, it's pretty hard to describe just how big that is, because I've never seen something with that resolution natively. Uh, we all know that, um, native 1080p is 1980, or 1920 by 1080p, or, so, 1080p, I mean, those, that, the 1080p is the, uh, and that that's considered native high definition. Um, but of course, if you went up to twenty 
1880 by 1800, you would be far exceeding regular resolution. Uh, and anything at that kind of resolution is going to be either really small or uh, you scale it up to make it not quite as small. And if they scale it up, that means it, everything will be the same as it is now, but the pixel densities will be a lot better. Um, a while ago on my blog, I was discussing the pixel density of the MacBook Air. And I found that the MacBook Air has a surprisingly small uh, density of pixels. So the 13.3-inch MacBook Air, the one I have, it has a, essentially a, a pixel density of 130 pixels per inch. The 11-inch uh, model, 11.6-inch model, has about 135 pixels per inch. Um, but I did some reverse calculations from the based on the iPhone Retina display. Um, so the iPhone Retina display has 326 pixels uh, per inch as a density. Um, and in order to, to, to achieve that at a native resolution, you would need, uh, at, at the 13.3-inch size, diagonal size of the of the display you would need 3400 pixels by 1000 or 2125 pixels so your monitor would be very very crisp but at the same time insanely huge so uh again you have to remember that laptops are not viewed or viewed at the distance that phones are so the iphone retina display that's usually viewed at less than seven to six inches. You know, it's pretty close to your face. You know, you hold it up really close. But your iPad uh, or your MacBook, MacBook Air or MacBook Pro or whatever, that's usually a foot or so away or more. So, so uh, the, maybe the uh, the distance will let them cut back on that. Maybe you don't need three hundred twenty six pixels per inch at those sizes. Maybe you only need two hundred eighty. Maybe you only need two hundred. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know what the math behind that is. Uh, so that's more of a human perception than anything else. Most weeks, I uh, like to talk about AT and T and T Mobile. Uh, so uh, Matt has his AMD uh, deal that he likes to talk about, but uh, I like to talk about AT and T and T Mobile. And. Uh, this week, I'm not. Instead, I'm talking about their competitor, and that is Verizon. So, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I remember talking about uh, Netflix and how they're probably going to be failing at any moment. And uh, we, we, we we know that Netflix has uh, changed their pricing right in the end of summer. They changed how they sell DVDs and their streaming business. Now they're just both $7.99. Instead of just being inclusive in one price, well, Verizon wants to make a bid or is very serious about making a bid for Netflix. Now, just think about all of the bad things that this would entail. So, Netflix is a service that provides movies to millions of people, Verizon is a service that provides internet access. Two billions of people. When you put those two things together, you get millions of people not on Verizon, not getting Netflix. Uh, so essentially, if uh, Netflix was purchased by Verizon, 
wouldn't you suspect that Verizon would kind of hoard Netflix as much as possible? Uh, or uh, since you just not let other providers access it. You know, maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they would, uh, you know, be negotiable there. But I, I suspect that Verizon would very much enjoy having one of the biggest internet pipe drains ever on their service instead of anybody else's and making Verizon the exclusive Netflix provider. I can see them very much enjoying that. On the other hand, part of Netflix's value are its customer base. And Verizon would quickly not have that customer base if it did purchase Netflix and then made it exclusive because nobody is actually on Verizon uh, compared to the number of people on Netflix. So I, I don't I don't know. Like imagine you imagine this Netflix Verizon hybrid. How would you access that on a phone that isn't on a Verizon service? So you enter your Verizon username and password. That's that's kind of ridiculous. So I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, you know, a couple of months ago, uh, or no, maybe a couple of years ago, actually, not months, uh, Comcast purchased NBC-ish, kind of. They they have a majority stake, at least, I think. And, you know, NBC is pretty bad to sell out to Comcast, a, a, a cable provider. You know, it's uh, NBC is a national, regular, on-the-airwaves, you know, television provider, uh, channel and NBC just essentially sold all their content and themselves to Comcast. So Comcast kind of became this provider of NBC shows. Uh, uh, and you know maybe that that's not actually as bad because NBC still exists in its channel TV form, but Netflix only has one line of existence and that is the internet. Uh, so this is very much different from that. But in a way, it's similar. When a major carrier of a uh, side auxiliary provider buys another major service provider. So when you buy a channel and you're already a provider of channels, it seems a little fishy. When you're a you know internet carrier and you buy something that is carried on your internet, it seems a little fishy. So I don't I don't know about that. So those were the uh, few stories that I culled from the uh, week of tech news that I was allowed to read during my busy week. But I do have some uh, interesting headlines uh, from the lightning round. Uh, Matthew Pitch and I normally do a lightning round, and, well, here we go. So Adblock Plus is going to begin allowing acceptable ads through to users by default. Uh... And I, I find this probably okay, as long as the ads they let through aren't annoying. Uh, HP is, uh, has finally decided what they're going to do with WebOS, and they're going to contribute WebOS to the open source community. And then once it's out there, they're going to continue uh, releasing patches for it and working on it. So at least it won't die off too soon. And Google um, is allowing... Gmail, uh, yet again this year, to uh, extend uh, the free calling to uh, to all numbers through Google Voice in U.S. and Canada. And, of course, they're maintaining their incredibly low rates uh, to outside. And uh, 
that that was lightning round. Yeah, that was a pretty quick lightning round. Normally, the alternation between the two hosts makes that take a little bit longer. Uh, but I have some other news, actually. Uh, we are still looking for Q&A questions and answers. We provide the answers as long as you provide the questions. Uh, we, we do need some some questions. Somebody? Anybody? Anybody out there? Please? Uh, if there's any questions you have, uh, particularly preferred questions are about tech, tech news, technology, not necessarily tech problems. Um, but we wouldn't really even be opposed to that either, I suspect. I have been gearing up for our big launch in mid to late January. Our big launch. We can't tell you what it's about yet, but I bet you can guess it has something to do with podcasting and maybe something to do with a nexus or two or one or two. And, uh, we, we have some plans, uh, you know, we have a, a mixing board that we alluded to last week. And uh, maybe we have some other things. Maybe you can hear me better. I don't know. Uh, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Uh, and, uh, yeah, so um, I'm slowly working on the website for our big launch. And it's coming together really well. I think everybody in the audience will enjoy it a lot. Uh, it will be a nice way to engage with us back here in the studio. Oops, I said it. We have a studio. Uh, anyway, uh, if you'd like to see our toner disaster, you can uh, watch Matthew Petchel and I attempting to clean up the mess of toner we made here. And uh, you'll enjoy seeing that because it, it is quite funny. And if you've never seen toner outside of a printed page before, uh, you'll, you, you need to see this because this is what happens when you break a toner cartridge open. It's just not pretty. It's not good. And, uh, well, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's this week's podcast. I'm Ryan Rampersad. Have a good one.